good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome in to everyone watching or listening live or on demand. This is the Makeshift Manager Podcast. My name is Austin. Devin is not here, but Josh coming in super clutch today while Devin's on his honeymoon. Josh, how are we doing? Doing good, man. Uh, appreciate you uh, letting me come on and we can uh, we can chat about the NFC East. Oh, boy. Or as people like to say, the NFC least. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, just want to give a quick shout out to my boy, Devin. Uh, congrats on getting married, brother. Hope you're having a great honeymoon. Um, I don't have beer, so this one's for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We will start at the bottom with the New York football giants. Um, started quarterback, Daniel Jones. Tyrod Taylor being knocked out the other day. I don't know the extent of his injury, but that for me, quiets any sort of thing whatsoever that Tyrod Taylor was going to be a starter, if at any point he was going to be a starter. This is Daniel Jones' last chance to do anything. I know he had a terrible injury year last year. Um, I feel bad for him. I like the kid. I think he can I think he can do big things to an extent. I don't think he's, you know, gonna be anywhere near an elite quarterback ever in his career, but his legs have, have made him pretty relevant in fantasy for sure. But um He's he's does best with what he's been given, and he hasn't been given a whole lot. What he has been given is Saquon Barkley playing in games over the past two years. I love Saquon Barkley as much as the next guy. I think he's a great player. He's got uh, thighs the size of my head, um, but he just can't stay healthy. And having not a great line doesn't really help that. Um, this is going to be his bounce back year for the third time in a row. So shout out. Um, I hope he has a great season for sure. I don't know what his workload is going to look like, especially if they don't have a great line, and especially if they're throwing to guys like Kenny Galladay, who has already seemed like he's tapped out, Kadarius Tony, who can't stay healthy, and Wandale Robinson. I think as long as they're not doing QB sneaks on third and 15, they should have a chance to do a little something, don't you think? Well, and you bring up a good point with the, you know, the QB sneaks on third and 15 and the... You know the the kneel, you know the kneel down offense on, on third and longs. Uh, I think the the biggest wild card here is the the head coaching change. Brian Dayball comes in, and it kind of we don't know what to make out of a lot of these guys. Maybe minus Saquon because you know how is Brian Dayball going to put his fingerprints on this offense? It's got to be better than. Joe Judge, right? I mean, it, it can't be worse. So, it'll you would be hope so. You would really, really hope. So. I mean, I, I can't see a guy who kind of led the ascension of Josh Allen being worse than Joe Judge. Now, I'm also not saying that he is going to turn the Giants into what the Bills are now because you know the Bills took a you know a super toolsy quarterback in, you know, the top 10 and then traded for Stefan Diggs. And, you know, they did a lot of things the right way and we'll see if the giants can follow suit in the next couple of years. But yeah, I mean, you got Dan Jones question mark. You got Kadarius Tony question mark. You got Kenny Galladay question mark. Who on Bill Robinson question. The only non question mark is Saquon if he's healthy. Yeah. And everything and he, else is a giant question mark. You know, you look at the line, Andrew Thomas, I think he's a great left tackle. Um, Evan Neal, they drafted Evan Neal, what was that, fifth overall? I can't yeah. but they took him. They took him with one of their first picks. They right. know they need to shore up. Their, they're kind of one of those lines that are 
kind of towards the back end, I'd say um, maybe just outside of the bottom 10, there are some really bad lines out there. Um, but at least they're trying. You know, the makeup is that, you know, us Cowboys fans, we we know what it's like to take a guard, take a guard, tackle, like just pick line guys for the next couple of years to protect the quarterback. Yep. And they seem like they're in the position that most likely Daniel Jones is going to be the guy, you know, I, but he's going to fill the spot today. And if they get a top five pick, then they get CJ Stroud or um, why am I blanking on the other guy? Um, the, the quarterbacks that are going to be in the draft next year. I know it's uh, Stroud. Got, I can't remember the other guy. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis. Bryce Young. There's, yeah, actually it looks like it might be a, uh, a good quarterback draft, kind of a uh, 2021. I don't know if five will go in the first round, but there should be some names that people get excited about. Yeah, and the teams that are going to be in front of you already kind of have those quarterbacks. If the Bears are going to be worse, they should still keep playing Justin Fields. If the Jaguars are worse, they still have Trevor Lawrence. If the Jets are worse, they still have Zach Wilson. I don't think they're going to give up on these guys after two years unless they're just enormously bad. But I feel like the Giants will be in a good spot, finish bottom five again, and be beneficial for them and get a star quarterback. I think they would be in a really good position for that. And they took Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, who unfortunately probably won't play week one due to his injury, due to the unfortunate chop block, but he's going to be great for them. They have a Dory Jackson. They have some good defensive pieces um, for sure. And if you kind of look at some of their games last year, they just kind of lost them on dumb moves. I know they lost to Washington on that stupid offsides when they, um, I can't remember if it was Hopkins who missed the field goal at the time, but somebody missed a field goal offsides, hit the field goal, you lose. I mean, that, that's kind of what happens though when you're four and 13 and you have Mike Glennon starting more than half of your season. <laughs> we all love Mike Glennon for the memes, but that's about it. Um, but for the Giants, really nowhere to go still. You're kind of at the bottom. You should probably stay at the bottom. Um, I would say I don't think there's any reason to be. Me and Devin literally say this every single week. Um, there's no reason for them to be mediocre. If they're going to be in the top, they need to be in the top 10 of picks. Yeah. They need to do that probably at least next year and maybe even the year after that if they want to compete in the NFC East because the Cowboys are kind of always there. The Cowboys are like almost the New York Yankees of football is. There's no such thing as a rebuild. It's mm-hmm. You're going to be in the playoffs every single year. Whether they get knocked out round one or not, they want to be in it. The Eagles, the wait to the Eagles soon. The Eagles have done everything to try and push for the now. And Washington is, we'll get to Washington. You know, you have the Dan Snyder effect, but they're also trying at the same time. So for the Giants, four and 13, maybe five and 12. They they'll be a pain in the side like they always are. They always play some really good games against the Eagles. That's for sure. They show up against the Eagles. Um, shout out, shout out to uh, the Giants for making the life of Eagles fans difficult. Um, Love it. But, but anything else you got for the for the Giants? No, no. Um, you bring up a good point about tearing it down, which I think the the Giants are trying to do. Um, I think if they could have cut Kenny Galladay, they would have, but the cap hit is too much. Uh, yeah. I think they're able to do it next year, but don't quote me on that. I don't have Kenny Galladay's contract info in front of me. Um, and and I, I think they're going to, you know, 
like you said, if Daniel Jones doesn't show up and somehow make this a 10 win team, uh, you know, I think he's gone. Um, Saquon, you know, will be, you know, what they'll have to decide on the fifth year option with him. So that'll be interesting to see what direction they go with that. And then, you know, is it Kadarius Tony and Wendell Robinson as your starting two wide receivers, or is that something they go second round in this draft uh, and grab the guy or one of the guys? So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. But yeah, I think they're in full kind of rebuild right now. They're tearing it down. They're getting rid of the, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this, but the Giants have the most money tied up at wide receivers of any team in the league. And what they have to show for it is, is Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, who I've actually always been kind of a big fan of, but injuries have kind of derailed him. Uh, That's been kind of the story of the New York Giants wide receiver. Outside of Kenny Galladay just kind of being done, Kadarius Tony and Sterling Shepard have some talent. They're they're good wide receivers, but they just can't stay on the field. Darius Slayton wants to get traded. And yeah. honestly, I really couldn't tell you much about Dale Robinson. Yeah. And there's there's talent to be had in the late 30s, early 40s, if they are in the bottom. Right. But at the same time, we're also in this weird dynamic of you could probably trade for a top-end receiver at this point with draft capital because a lot of wide receivers, it seems like every year, I want my money. We're not going to pay you. We're going to trade you. Just take advantage of that. I, don't, I couldn't tell you any wide receivers off the top of my head who – you know, will be off contract next year and looking for more money who they could go after. But it seems like more of a possibility than ever. Like Devontae Adams is a Las Vegas Raider. Tyreek Hill is a Miami Dolphin. Like, I know a lot of people probably don't want to go play for the Giants, but if Brian Dable shows any sort of light at the end of the tunnel, it could be something there for them. Yeah, and we've we've even seen in free agency, I mean, you can say what you want about the contract, but Christian Kirk comes to uh, Jacksonville to play with Trevor Lawrence and, you know, Christian Kirk would be far and away the best wide receiver on, the, on this roster right now, if he had decided to take, take <laughs> yeah. his talents to, to the giants. So, you know, they, they could also, you know, do something like that, you know, hopefully they wouldn't, you know, spend the price that, that Jacksonville did, but you know, there, there are a lot of options when it comes to wide receivers, you know, uh, we were talking about fantasy and fantasy drafts early, you know, and a lot of the thing, you know, one of the big things is, you know, there, there's wide receivers everywhere. There, there's wide receivers in round one that you like. There's wide receivers in round 10 that you like. And it's because, you know, this is a pass happy league and you have to have at least two wide receivers that are above average in order to be successful. And, um, you know, like you say, they don't always get paid though. So there'll be some in free agency and maybe the giants can pick one up once they get their quarterback situation dealt with. Yeah. And if you can really get your quarterback situation dealt with, like me and Devin talk about every week, the AFC are beating the crap out of each other. They have elite quarterback on top of elite quarterback on top of elite quarterback. You kind of look in the NFC at some point, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Matt Stafford will no longer be here. I don't, I feel like Matt Stafford could be close because he's getting beat up. Rodgers and Brady could literally go tomorrow. I know they're probably going to play this season, but they could literally stop at any point. Washington doesn't have a quarterback. The the best quarterback you're almost looking at at that point is Kyler Murray. 
you have no idea what you are in Trey Lance and Trey Lance. Trey Lance's sh- uh, leash just got a lot shorter mm-hmm. with Jimmy G not being the highest paid backup. <laughs> you got Seattle who, yep. You have Jameis Winston who we love here on the podcast. And if he goes back to gunslinging, watch out fantasy football. But for now, it's just Jameis Winston, Baker Mayfield. We talk about Tom Brady, Marcus Mariota. Like, there's just not a whole lot going. Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback, but there's not a whole lot of elite talent going on right now. So the NFC has a little bit easier of a road going right. there. And we forgot a uh, friend of uh, my podcast, uh, Minnesota Viking Kirk Cousins. So uh, got to bring you Kirk like Cousins. You like that? <laughs> we like that. Uh, I we do love fantasy, Kirk Cousins. So we like I love Kirk Cousins to death, defended him all last year, but at some point Kirk Cousins is going to get shipped off because Minnesota can't keep paying him over and over <laughs> for the same results. Look up the definition of insanity. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, I love Kirk Cousins making all that money. <laughs> Speaking of insanity, the Washington football commanders. Kick us, kick us off with whatever the hell's going on in Washington. So, obviously, the the big news in Washington this year at quarterback they they bring in Carson Wentz via trade from the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they, uh, I guess now Antonio Gibson will be the starter. Unfortunately, the Brian Robinson Jr. situation where he was uh, shot twice in an attempted carjacking. Um, Honestly, I, I just hope the man is okay. Uh, you know, uh, I think it was Adam Schefter put out a tweet saying that uh, there's a possibility that he might play again this year, but obviously there are things more important than football. Uh, so it looks like Antonio Gibson will be back in the starting role with J.D. McKissick taking the passing down work. Uh, J.D. McKissick is uh, criminally underrated as uh as a pass catching running back in the league, uh, you hit the wide receivers. Obviously, scary Terry Terry McLaurin is one of the best out there. Unfortunately, his quarterback situation has been uh, horrific. I don't even want to go through the names because it'll make me cry. I'm I'm here right now. Uh, they take in the first round Jahan Dotson, who I think is going to be a stone cold stud i don't know if it's going to be this year with carson wentz or uh the next couple years once they realize that if they want to win games and they want to be a playoff contender carson wentz is not going to be the guy to get them there um they offensive line is kind of like is always like okay you know, they lose guys and they gain guys and they have that like okay status. You're never like, wow, that Washington offensive line is sick. But you're also <laughs> you're also never like they suck really bad. They're just kind of like, eh. um, and then obviously, you know, kind of what Washington has been building over the last few years is is that defense. You know, they have Chase Young, you know, they have multiple first round picks all over the place. But that defense was bad last year. Like, they were not good. And, yes, there was a Chase Young injury in there, but they were bad before that. It, it wasn't that they were really good and then Chase Young went down and then they were really bad. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, 
what changes they're going to make to scheme uh, in order to bring back kind of the glory days of two years ago when that defense was kind of wrecking shop and, and getting to the quarterback. And, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what, what do you think about, about the commanders? Cause I mean, they just look like a team that's kind of all over the place. So finishing seven and 10 with Taylor Heineke, um, the football gods do not allow NFC East back-to-back division winners. They just don't. <laughs> they killed national treasure Ryan Fitzpatrick to prove a point. And then when they didn't prove that point enough, they hurt Chase Young. I'm kidding, obviously. I'm being facetious. But this team went into the season hoping their defense was going to be top five, maybe even top ten. And they were abysmal. They were bad. The one thing they were going into the season with hopes shattered. And Taylor Heineke, great story. Wonderful story. Solid runner. But at some point, the magic runs out. And the magic ran out really bad. It just wasn't there for Taylor Heineke. He had a, he had a great, uh, what was it, divisional game? Divisional or wildcard game against Tampa Bay. Yeah. That was a cool story. He was throwing some nukes out to Terry McLaurin, which was helping my fantasy at the time in the <laughs> beginning of the year. So it was really nice. But at the same time, there's just not a whole lot going on. We talked about Carson Wentz last week. When we were talking about the Colts. And we felt that Carson Wentz, if you look at stats, if you look at his, at his box score, basically, you got 3,500 yards, 3,600, 27 touchdowns, seven picks. That's not terrible. That's a serviceable quarterback. His problem is that his interceptions came at the literal worst time possible for Indianapolis, and it cost them multiple games and ended up costing them a playoff spot. You know, they really even didn't need, even need to be in the Jacksonville spot having to win if they beat Tennessee one of those games where Carson throws a pick in overtime. His picks were just extremely poorly timed. And obviously he's never been the same ever since he tore his ACL against um, Los Angeles in that game. It was always this whole Dak and Carson were drafted at the same time. They're going head to head. And really they were neck and neck with each other. They were solid quarterbacks. And then Carson Wentz fell into this holding to the ball too long, trying to make too much happen. Um, I don't know at the point of his career what he can be. And it's kind of funny to say that he's only 29 years old, but he just has hasn't really shown us a whole bunch to be like, he's going to be that elite quarterback to take Washington to the top. We posted a question yesterday of who's going to win the NFC East. People said the commanders, and I'm not going to call those people crazy. If anybody says the Giants, I'll call them crazy. But the commanders, if they showed up with that elite defense that they're supposed to have, and Carson Wentz has kind of close to this same year that we're looking at, they have a chance. The NFC East is weird. It's, it's the weird division. Sometimes it's the worst division. Thank, thank God we're not the worst division. We have the um, the NFC South for that one now. Um, <laughs> the NFC South, the whole South. Um, but for Washington, it's just they have a middle of the pack line. Um, they got Charles Leno Jr., Andrew Norwell, Chase uh, Rulier, Trey Turner, Sam Cosme. They have an okay line. They have somewhat good protection. And like you said, shout uh, prayers up to Brian Robinson, who... You know, they were kind of going back and forth. Who's going to be the running back? Who should be, you know, is it Brian Robinson? Is it Antonio Gibson? Antonio Gibson has fumble problems. And I still don't know personally from everything that I've seen if 
Brian Robinson had won the job. I'm not saying that's from my perspective, just what I've seen. I kept seeing back and forth on if he actually won the job or not. Right. But just this unfortunate event put him in a in a weird in a terrible spot to probably not even be able to play a season. It's awful. Um, so you shift your focus onto Antonio Gibson, who is a talented running back. He's a he's a good receiving back. He's a good downhill runner. He just has a fumble problem, and that's one of the worst problems to have as a running back because one poorly timed fumble puts you in a really bad spot. Doesn't make you look good at all. I'm messing with my headphones so bad today. <laughs> they are just driving me nuts. Um, but and it kind of looked weird to me when they grabbed JD McKissick out of the hands of Buffalo. Buffalo was basically going to sign JD McKissick, and then Washington was like, "No, never mind. We want JD McKissick," which was weird to me because you had Brian Robinson, or maybe they didn't draft him yet, but. It just goes to show that your confidence in Antonio Gibson is not there. And have you heard how long Chase Young is going to be out? Is he on the is he on the unable to perform list? I I haven't actually seen anything about him, uh, so I'm not sure. But but I I want to pose a question to you because you you brought up Antonio Gibson and maybe the reason why he was possibly close to losing his job to Brian Robinson Jr. Yeah, it was the fumbling issue, and that's yeah, I was evident. Mm-hmm. So the master plan was to put Antonio Gibson as a punt returner, a guy that you're worried about handling the ball. You want to be in a situation where eleven guys are literally trying to take his head off, running down the the field at full speed, and. Like Washington is, is, you know, they're such a weird team, like you said, because, you know, there was that thought process and then the thought process of, hey, you know, there, there are going to be quarterbacks available. Obviously, Carson Wentz was one of those quarterbacks. Matt Ryan moved. Uh, Deshaun Watson moved. And. Out of all these quarterbacks that kind of Jimmy Garoppolo was out there, Baker Mayfield was out there, and, you know, Russ got traded. And out of all these quarterbacks, all the quarterbacks I just named, the commanders sat down and were like, you know who's going to lead this team to the promised land? Carson Wett. It's just... in. I would say in the defense of Washington... If they made a move for a star quarterback like Russell Wilson or like Deshaun Watson, it would have set them back. I do not think Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson could have got, especially because Watson suspended 11 games. But I think even without Watson, let's say Watson doesn't think suspended and Russ and Watson play 17 games, I still don't think Washington gets to the playoffs. I feel like they would have been set back and they just wouldn't have been ready. Do they have a number one wide receiver that could be fed by that quarterback? Yes, Terry McLaurin would have a great fucking time with Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson. But Carson Wentz, if you're kind of just in the spot where you're like, we're just going to spend a little money and kind of figure it out later, that's kind of where Washington is. They were 7-10 and 10 last year, and I don't remember what exact pick they were at, but I think they just need to be worse this year. I don't think they're in line to beat out the Eagles or the Cowboys for the division, and they just kind of need – obviously, Dan Snyder has to go. That's a whole nother. Oh. Topic yeah. going on, yeah. but looking at the team on paper without Chase Young, this defense is it's okay. 
But if they're anywhere near they were last year, they're going to have more problems again. And Carson Wentz is not going to be able to play from behind a bunch with its offense. And I hear you that uh, maybe a star didn't need to come in there, even though it seems like when star quarterbacks post up in places, the talent follows. I mean, you know, we've seen it in Tampa Bay with Brady. Everybody wants to play because they figure they can get a ring. And I get it. You know, Washington, even with a Deshaun Watson or a Russ Wilson, isn't going to be, you know, a Super Bowl contender right away. But even like a Baker, like I feel like a Baker would be, you know, a better move to to try to win. Or if you're just like, hey, we're not good enough, then just you know, grab a tie rod, like tie rod signed with the Giants, just grab a tie rod and go, okay, we're going to be probably not very good this year in order to get a top five pick and grab one of these quarterbacks coming out. I just feel like it's weird to trade assets for Carson Wentz and his yeah, contract. I get that. So that, that, but it, that's just a lot. That's just one of a long list of weird moves that I I've seen the commanders make mm-hmm. this year but I, I mean i will give credit where credit's due i love the pick of Jahan dotson in the first round i think that was a great pick i think the brian robinson pick was a great pick obviously no one could have foreseen what happened but at the time in the draft i said wow that's a good pick and then i said wow i'm really worried about antonio gibson because i i've always yeah. been kind of an antonio gibson guy mm-hmm. so seeing that even like you mentioned the JD McKissick thing that worried me, but to a way lesser level, because I think that I think Washington just felt like they had to protect themselves in a way, but the Brian Robinson move was kind of like deliberate. It was like, all right, we have this guy that we think highly of and we're going to bring him in and we'll see, you know, you know, best case scenario, that was going to be a, you know, a just, messed up running back by committee where, you know, maybe Brian Robinson gets a series, maybe Antonio Gibson gets a series. And worst case, it was going to be Antonio Gibson sitting on the bench or apparently a a kick returner. I still don't get that. But, you know, (laughs) so, so yeah, it's just like, there's been a lot, you know, I, I think Washington had a few good draft picks, which I think maybe help out the other offseason moves, but they always seem like a team that is trying to win a Super Bowl, but doesn't understand the level of players that they need to actually get to that point. They always seem to get the mid-tier and lower mid-tier players, and they think they're going to put enough of those with draft picks and make a championship team and Obviously, if you see like the AFC West, all those teams understand if you want to win a championship, you have to bring in high level talent. You have to bring in your, you know, your Devonta or your uh, Devonta Adams. You have to bring in, you know, even on the defensive side, your Chandler Jones is, you know, that those are the type of players you have to bring in in order to, you know, Russ Wilson to get yourself to a Super Bowl. So it's funny that Washington thinks that Carson Wentz and and players of that level are going to get him there. But that's it, why it just looks like another seven and ten team. Um yeah. I like McLaurin. We like Dawson. 
I like Logan Thomas a lot. I think if he stays healthy, he could be a really good tight end that gets you a lot of good first downs when you need it, a lot of short yardage. Um, I, I think he's great. I like him a lot. Is he an elite tight end? No, but I, I like him a lot. But if you're playing from behind again, Carson Wentz is not set up to do that. Carson Wentz is not the guy that's going to play from behind and do very well. If you're playing in a shootout every single night, I mean, you saw what what happened to him some nights. He got demolished by Dallas on Sunday night football, and it was mm-hmm. never particularly close. If your defense is just going to do that every night, Carson Wentz is not that huge of an upgrade over Taylor Heineke. Like, right. tier level, sure. But Carson Wentz is not going to play from behind very well. And I don't want to sit here and bash Washington. I think they can be another middle-of-the-road team. But I just don't think they're there to win the division or even get in a wild card right now because they're just better wild card teams in the NFC right now. And obviously, 7-10 and 10 is not going to get you a wild card spot. Can they sniff the hunt? Maybe. I'd have to look at their schedule. Um, I mean, they should have an easy schedule considering they finished third. Let's take well, a look. It's actually I, – I have it up because while you were talking, I Perfect. remember their schedule being kind of interesting. So the first four weeks of the season, they have the Jaguars, Lions, Eagles, and Cowboys. It could easily be two and two coming out of that. I think they're more like one and three coming out of that. I think the Lions are I, a team that are going to – they're going to – beat some people and I don't know if the commanders are up for a team that plays the style that they play. Oh, I, I definitely understand that. We, we praised the lines when we had them a couple weeks ago, but I think Washington, I think Washington could beat them. It depends what I see week one of each team who I'm picking that week when we get mm-hmm. to that point, but I think they could beat them. They could lose to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has, weapons they're ready to pop off they they could easily pop off and have a better offense this year so it's really going to be interesting what we see week one and two i think they can beat the jaguars in the lines but if they were easily zero and four coming out of that it wouldn't surprise me but if they're zero and four coming out of that if we're not picking them against jacksonville or detroit who are we picking them against well and then the next two weeks they have the Titans and the Bears. And I think the Titans are a very good team. And the Bears, if they can play offense like they did in that last preseason game, that could be a tougher out. Now, don't get me wrong. If if I had to bet money on that game today, I'm betting it on the Commanders. I'm Same. just saying that I that may not be as easy of an out as I thought two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting to see. Now, obviously, third preseason game, you know, the, the starting offense was out there, but obviously preseason is a little bit more relaxed. You know, right. people people aren't, you know, scheming at 100%. People aren't, you know, you have your, your second, third string guys that are out there playing hard because they're playing for a spot. But, you know, but I mean – if they go zero and four to start the season, do do we start like hearing clamoring to see like Sam Howell? I mean, he's actually played well during the preseason. I mean, not elite, not lights out, but he's played well. And I'm curious, <laughs> like I, this team is so mm-hmm. weird. Like people are like, you're crazy for thinking about that. But 
would we be shocked if Washington made that move? Like we just talked about some of the weird moves they've made. So I would be curious about something like that happening, but yeah, they're a weird team and they're like hard to gauge. Like seven and 10 seems reasonable, but I mean like four and 13 seems reasonable too. They they have like a wide range of outcomes, I guess is what the, I'm the pr- The problem, at. the problem I see on the horizon now, Carson Wentz has an out after this year. But yeah. if he doesn't take that out, he's a commander for two more years after that. Yeah. So really, what is Carson Wentz's leash? I the, Obviously, everybody wants to win. Right. But I think Carson Wentz is going to get you where you want to be. And even if you made the playoffs, let's say you got into the wild card, I could not see them winning the first round against any of the seeds whatsoever, especially if they're the seventh seed playing the two seed, get smashed. Yeah. It wouldn't be close. We saw what the we saw what Tampa Bay did to the Eagles last year. The Eagles were a serviceable team going in and they got smashed yeah. by the Buccaneers. And so I just really don't know what Washington does. Like if they're bad, do they take a quarterback? Do they play Sam Howell? Are they taking a defensive piece next year? It, it feels like they can. They're they're at a major fork in the road, and and any way they pick is has has positives, obviously, but has major right. consequences. Well, and the the crazy thing is, the first half of their season. I'm kind of looking at this as you're talking. The first half of their season is really front loaded with some some tough teams. I mean, I mentioned some of them, but. After the Bears, they have the Packers, Colts, and Vikings, and the Eagles four in a row. So that's a tough stretch. But then the second half of the season kind of eases up. Texans, Falcons, uh, two against the Giants, uh, 49ers and Browns, which will be tough teams, and then the Cowboys. So they kind of have like a four-game stretch where they play some bottom feeders. So maybe that kind of ups the average, and we look at this differently. But they're a weird team. <laughs> I keep saying it because I I don't I mean, you're know. Right. I don't know how to like pick them. Like if you told no. me they're going to win four games this year, I wouldn't argue with you. And if you told me they were going to win uh, seven games this year, I also wouldn't argue with you. But obviously, four wins and seven wins is a massive spread when you're talking about you know draft status and things like that. So and and honestly. It's where it only matters. Four yeah. wins compared to seven wins is not going to move you in the playoff race, but it's going to move you backwards in draft capital. And right now, this is kind of what you need right now. You kind of need draft capital. They don't really have anybody to trade. They signed Terry McLaurin, so he's not going anywhere. I don't think anybody's going to want Carson Wentz at this point. He would have to go off this year for somebody to want him. Right. And I just don't, I don't foresee that happening. It's... Well, also, weird, man. I also wonder, though, uh, you mentioned draft spot, but I wonder if the difference between four and seven is the difference between a new head coach in Washington and Ron Rivera coming back for another season. I can't see them keeping Ron Rivera if they go four and 13. But I could see them saying seven and 10, you know, we had a lot go against us, you know, the guy that possibly may have been our starting running back gets into this horrific situation. Chase Young no. maybe misses three or four weeks. 
you know, you're talking about kind of maybe some bigger pieces on both sides of the ball, but we won seven games. So Ron Rivera gets to come back for another year, you know, hmm. and, and that is, you know, but obviously if, if the whole thing falls apart, if they're four and 13, you know, I think it's all right, Ron, we appreciate everything you've done, but we're going to have to move on, which yeah. might, be, might be best for them anyway, but you know, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. Okay, we'll move on to the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles. I just drafted Chris Godwin in the thirteenth round. Good for you! Oh, that Shout is shout out, dude. Come on, Let, I wish you had a, a soundboard with like the the clapping effect because th- that's the time <laughs> for it. Um, I love it when people fall asleep during drafts and they let things like that happen. Uh, usually, because I'm the recipient of it, so. Um, <laughs> I will say my backup running backs aren't the best in the world. I got you know Jonathan Taylor and uh, J.K. Dobbins with A.J. Dillon and Daryl Henderson, but my wide receiver core is stacked in a non-PR league, so I feel fine. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You, you know, running back is a position where no matter how much you think you know the landscape, guys like Someone's Elijah be on the wire. <laughs> yeah, Elijah Mitchell comes out of nowhere. You know. <laughs> Uh, Naheem Hines, what was that, a couple years ago, had like 30 points week one. You know, there's always <laughs> guys that – James Robinson a couple years ago from literally undrafted lit, free agent. Lit the to, world on fire. Yeah, I mean, so running back as a position, I love kind of a heavy RB build, but if I if it doesn't fall that way based on what's going on around me, I'm always confident in just being able to go, there's going to be somebody there. Might might be a guy from the team we're going to talk about the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles, Pro Football Focus's number one offensive line, and it's hard to disagree with them. Uh, Jay Kelsey has done it for a long fucking time. I don't know how long he can keep doing it, but hey, the man's talented. I ain't gonna tell him anything. Um, Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts last year. Jalen Hurts for threw for. Uh, about 31 and a half hundred yards, 16 touchdowns, nine interceptions. But not only that, but you had his rushing ability. He rushed for 784 yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, a solid year for Jalen Hurts. Really, you, you kind of look at him and you still see the underthrown balls, and that's still kind of an issue. He had some tough games. They finished nine and eight. Um, that's just kind of going to happen. But let's look at the improvements that this team has made. They went out and traded for A.J. Brown. I, I ain't going to knock that for a single second. You, Devontae Smith is a great wide receiver, don't get me wrong, but train for A.J. Brown, automatically you're number one, and it's not close. Opens up Devonta Smith even more. And, and they've had these problems with wide receivers. They, you know, drafted J.J. Uh, Arcega right side and Jalen Rager, you know, the drop problems over and over. So, you know what? Why draft a wide receiver when you can just trade for one? It's as easy as that. Um, you got Dallas Goddard, who, after they traded Zach Ertz, is, I think, a very good tight end um, for Jalen Hurts, for sure. Obviously, we talked about him having the best line. Um, got the committee of Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott. Um, either one of them can score three touchdowns in a week, and then you'll start the other one, and then they won't get any touchdowns, and that's kind of how that works. So I think it's still going to be a running back by committee for them, especially for, um, God, what is their head coach's name? Um, Nick Sirianni. 
Sirianni. I knew it was Nick, and I was trying to go like A, and I was like, couldn't remember. <laughs> but I feel like Sirianni is going to have running back by committee once again, along with Jalen Hurts running the football um, because they were successful at that last year. Fletcher Cox is still on that line. You got Javon Hargrave, Josh Sweat, Zier White, TJ Edwards, Hassan Reddick. They got Darius Slay had a great year last year. James Bradbury. They drafted Nicobe Dean in like the fourth round or something like that. Mm. And <laughs> that was a great fucking pick. I was picking for Dallas to take him for a long time. Same. And Nicobe Dean falling to Philly is absolutely painful, but damn, is it good for Philadelphia? Um, this team is is really good. It, they look really good on paper. Now, their third wide receiver is Quez Watkins, which, you know, you go like, oh, Jay Brown, Devontae Adams, Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager. So you're kind of hoping that the running game is still going to be great for them. They have two great wide receivers. They have a great tight end. Um, you know, they'll have the pass protection. They'll have the running, the run blocking. They're set up for that. Um, it's going to be defense for them. Can Darius Slay repeat? did last year can Fletcher Cox still get to the quarterback at his at his age god it feels like he's been playing for years now but he's only 31 years old um but he's still just the box score doesn't show Fletcher Cox always being there but man is he always there my man puts pressure on everybody it feels like it's always Fletcher Cox getting in the way um I talked about Javon Hargrave. Brandon Graham was a problem. Um, they they feel like they filled every hole that they needed to, and they're kind of ready to win this division. Um, there are a lot of people's picks next to the Cowboys. It really feels like a two-team race in the NFC East. And we talked about it, how nobody's won the division back-to-back since like 2002 or 2003, something like that, when the Eagles did it. And... The football gods already killed Tyron Smith to prove a point. So I, I, I'm not, I can't trash them. I hate them to death. Don't get me wrong. I hate them. But they're, they're damn, they look pretty damn good on paper, and they look like they're going to come out fighting, and they kind of have an easier schedule. Wow. It's funny that you mentioned the schedule because the Washington commander schedule made me curious about the Philadelphia Eagles schedule because there was some kind of weird stat. They only had one, maybe two wins against teams above 500 last year, the Eagles. And there are a lot of teams that I, I think most of us would predict to be above 500. Lions might not be there yet, but Vikings, obviously the commanders, uh, we don't think will be there either, the Jaguars. But then you hit the Cardinals, the Cowboys, the Steelers, a uh, little break with the Texans and the Commanders. But then you go Colts, Packers, Titans three in a row, a little break with the Giants and the Bears. Then you go Cowboys, Saints, and then the Giants to wrap it up. So there's actually a, a few teams on there that I think will end the season above 500. Now, obviously, I think the Eagles have, you know, obviously – you get A.J. Brown, that, you know, that just boosts your offense up. You know, the line, not only do they have the best line, but then they take Cam Jurgens in the draft, who is like, that's like, there's just strength on top of strength. Um, <laughs> the, the defense is kind of the perfect stereotypical Eagles defense where 
Their front four is really good. They'll get you on the back end. The linebackers are always a little suspect, but Nicobe Dean is there now, and that is just like I, I I live not too far away from Philadelphia, so uh, I took my son to the the Eagles' first preseason game against the Jaguars, and Nicobe Dean was out there, and I you know I look over at my eight year old and I go just just watch this dude, like he's gonna <laughs> be there all day, and sure enough, every time the Eagles were on defense. There was a tackle. Who's there? Nicobe Dean. The guy, the the PA announcer, I think, either got tired of saying his name or loved saying his name because he was getting like 20 bucks a pop because it was just (laughs) Nicobe Dean, Nicobe Dean, Nicobe Dean. I'm with you during the draft. I was just praying that the Cowboys would get him. Uh, they, they didn't, I think some medical stuff came out during the draft on him, which caused him to slip because there's no reason why he should have been, uh, either a late day two or early day three pick, um, with his level of talent. But this is, you know, let's use weird again, because this is kind of, they've, they've made, I shouldn't say weird. They've made some interesting moves because if we break down the Eagles, uh, the Eagles from last year, first half, they, they really wanted Jalen Hurts to throw, throw, throw. They weren't successful with that philosophy. Second half of the season, I give Nick Sirianni a lot of credit. He goes, man, dropping Jalen Hurts back 30, 35 times, not working. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run it with Jalen. We're going to run it with Miles Sanders. We're going to run it with Boston Scott. A little bit of Kenny Gainwell. Uh, not enough, in my opinion. But then they started winning. <laughs> so it, it's very interesting to me um, where kind of running was was leading you to wins. Um, you get A.J. Brown. And I think you do that all the time. I don't care what your team composition is. A.J. Brown is one of the, you know, what, top 10, 12 wide receivers in the league. Yeah. But now I think you're almost stuck having Jalen Hurts drop back 30, 35 times a game. And what if it's not a successful recipe? I don't know if you have, I don't know if you can just go, well, we're going to start to run now because it's different when your number one is Devonta Smith and your number two is Jalen Rager. And you go, oh, well, why don't we just try running it for a little bit? Because you go, okay, <laughs> like besides Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, there's not a lot else. But if you're telling me that, you know, now it's A.J. Brown, now it's Devonta Smith, now it's Dallas Goddard, and you then decide you're going to run the ball more than you pass. I mean, maybe Sirianni has those stones, but, man, I, I think you need a, a large set to turn around and go, all right, guys, the pass game isn't working. Jalen Hurts is uh, not a super accurate quarterback. We're playing against not only some – good offenses but you know teams like the uh like the Colts and teams like the Packers have pretty good defenses too um I don't know if you can just turn around and go all right let's let's run it you know 55 60 percent of the time especially now that you know obviously Ligging Bay has a good passing offense you know I I know they lost Devontae Adams but I can't knock Aaron Rodgers when he drops absolute dimes to anybody with a pulse and now Matt Ryan is an Indianapolis Colt who is a significant upgrade from Carson Wentz and will sling the ball so 
if you fall behind, you can't run the ball, especially against those fronts. Those fronts are going to hold you up. I, I, their line's great. Don't get me wrong. They will break off some good runs, but they can't do it forever. You're going to have to throw the ball. And A.J. Brown was the perfect guy to get to do that because that's what they need. Devontae Smith didn't have like a, a blow you away kind of rookie year. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to fault him for it. You know, he didn't have the greatest throwing quarterback in the world, but he had a decent year. He's a, he's a good wide receiver, but they are not set up to, from what we've seen, they're not set up to play from behind. They could easily change that this year and, and shut us all up easily. But right now, from what we've seen, this team is kind of like the Tennessee Titans in a sense. I, they don't have Derrick Henry, but they have four guys put together that kind of make a Derrick Henry and just control the clock and beat him down a little bit. Have the good line, push, 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 score. Stop him, push, 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 score. That's kind of what the Eagles can do. And now that they have A.J. Brown, they can kind of blow you away a little bit with some good passes, and you're not going to be worried as much about the drops. You can kind of take those deep shots now. You can go back to like, okay, let's throw it 50 fucking yards and see what happens. You know, Jalen Rager is not going to drop the ball this time. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, that's why I wanted to switch up weird to interesting because A.J. Brown is actually really good at the game of football as opposed to, you know, Carson Wentz. So, like, that's, that's interesting, not weird, because I, I think, I mean, for what they gave up, I think, uh, just about every other team in the league would have made the same trade um, to bring AJ Brown in for the price of a mid first round pick. So um, good on them. Uh, you know, Howie Roseman, their GM is always kind of making these deals out of nowhere that, you know, you're just like, how did he do that? Like, how did he convince the Titans? Like, Hey, this one pick here is all you need to get rid of AJ Brown. And they were like, yeah, you're right, yeah. Howie. Let's do that. Yeah, like, yeah. And when I, really, Howie's Howie's been criticized for a long time, and his job was coming into question. I don't know if there's any actual truthness to that, but from what you see on Twitter, Philadelphia sports media is a tough ass market. They oh, are yeah. hard. They oh. they they don't they don't beat around the bush. It from a kid from California who everyone's like he's just struggling. He'll be okay too. This guy fucking sucks. Like it, it, it's it's a different dynamic. It, it's really weird, and it, I wouldn't even say weird. They're just hardcore. It, it this is their life, and they were like, "Howie makes you know one or two mistakes." It's like time to go, Howard. Like, uh, get yeah. Out. I mean, I I live in the Philadelphia market, um, and the uh, Amazon did the all or nothing with the Eagles. Was that two three years ago? And there's actually a clip where Howie, it's like five o'clock in the morning, and he's driving into work and he has one of the local sports stations on. Oh, and no. the callers are just like, Howie sucks. Why do we still have this guy? And Howie kind of laughs it off, but you also kind of sense that like it stings just a little bit. Because it's not the first time he's driven into work. And every caller, especially, I mean, don't let the Eagles this year have a two or a three game losing streak where, you know, mate, and I don't think they will, but they lose to the, to the Jags and the Commanders in back-to-back weeks. 
Forget it. Forget it. It's going and, and to... The, and the funny thing, too, is when those callers call in, the host isn't like, well, I think you're being unreasonable. No, they're oh, just yeah. like, yep. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, they. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're bad for it. It's just like most of the time when callers are coming in jabbing somebody, the radio host is like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, no, I'm, yep, exactly. No, and... and... And it's funny because I was actually, um, I was driving to pick my kids up from school today and I put on one of the local uh, stations and I don't normally do this, but I was just, I was with my wife. I just popped it on and the, the athletic had, I don't know if you heard about this. The athletic took a, um, a poll of uh, NFL agents and ask them which which GMs did they think were the most honest and which GMs did they think were the most dishonest. And Howie Roseman actually came in last as the most dishonest GM, according to NFL agents. Hmm. Now, I, I want to make that clear. Yeah. And, and it's funny because they, you know, obviously this was all anonymous, so they picked out some of the, the quotes that some of these agents said and you know it was things like you know i feel like even though howie is talking to me about a guy he's trying to make a back alley deal for another guy and screw me over and the hosts were like but isn't that what a gm is supposed to do aren't they supposed to keep all their options open and i just started laughing and my wife looks over at me and she goes why are you laughing and i go because week eight if this team is four and four, these same radio hosts are going to be bashing Howie. But because it's August 29th, they are sitting here and they're going, I don't understand. Like, this is what a GM is supposed to do. Like, the G, you know, they, they brought up Miles Sanders as an example. You know, if, if Howie is talking to Miles Sanders' agent and uh, they say, listen, you know, we're going to put Miles Sanders in the best situation to make a lot of money next year. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to want to re-sign him for a lot of money, but maybe they give him a lot of work and he gets signed somewhere else for a lot of money. You know, and I'm like, wow, like they're really like standing up for Howie. But I've heard all of these same hosts just bash <laughs> Howie mercilessly when they're like, three and five or four and four. And it's just like, Howie hasn't put the, the players on this team that we need to win and be successful and be a perennial Super Bowl. So I'm like, yeah, these guys will just, you know, I can't wait till, you know, like week seven, week eight, if this team is 500 or game below 500, like what we're going to be hearing, you know, from these same hosts who are right now kind of defending Howie. But, Howie, Howie, I feel like, is a great trader. He may not always be the best drafter. He may not always sign the best free agents. But, man, he makes some trades, and you just go, well, man, if that was the price, why wasn't my team in on it? Like, yeah. Why, you know, and it doesn't matter. I mean, in my case, it would, it would be the Dallas Cowboys. But, like, it doesn't matter what, what team you're a fan of. Like, you know, a, a lot of teams – could have not only afforded to give up a mid first round pick, but pay AJ Brown $20 million a year. Like, 
And somehow the Eagles were the ones that ended up, and that's because of Howie Roseman. That's, you know, that's not luck. That's because Howie Roseman knows how to be aggressive, knows how to go in there and say, we want your guy. This is what we're willing to pay. Let's get a deal done. And, you know, I'm sure negotiations happen, but at the end of the day, when he sets his sights on a guy in the trade market, they usually end up becoming a Philadelphia Eagles. So uh, I have to give him his respect in that regard. Yeah. All right. We'll wrap up with the Cowboys and then we'll get on out of here. The boys. The boys. boys. Look, it's just, it's as easy as this. Um, I'll just, I'll just get it out there for everyone else. So they, they can just know. Look, it's as easy as this. Easy. We didn't boys. It's our year. It's easy as that. We're done here. Okay. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> start, start us off. All right. So obviously uh, at quarterback, Dak Prescott, I think um, there's no argument that he's the best quarterback in the NFC East. Um, Cooper Rush as a backup, but we, we all hope and pray that we're never in a situation where it's Cooper Rush for more than a game or two. Uh, at running back, you kind of have the dynamic duo. You have Zeke Elliott. You have uh, Tony Pollard. Um, a guy who's kind of been looking good in preseason ball has been uh, Rico Dottle. You know, I don't know if he even makes the team or, you know, he's a uh, a practice squad guy, but I have been liking what I've been seeing out of him in uh, preseason. Uh, wide receivers, obviously, we lose Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns, but we have CeeDee Lamb. We draft Jalen Tolbert in the third round. Uh, Michael Gallup is maybe going to be there. He's not on the PUP so he's, he, or the IR, so he's not going to miss the first four weeks. Don't know if he plays week one or week two, but the Cowboys seem confident that they don't need him to miss four games, which is uh, very good for a wide receiver room that without him uh, looks pretty bad, especially when free agent signing James Washington, which, you know, wasn't supposed to light the world on fire, but give us a little bit of depth, gets hurt um, and is not going to be around. Um offensive line has also been devastated. Uh, we lose, we cut Lyle Collins. We obviously lose Tyron Smith after he rips his hamstring off the bone, which I can't even imagine the, the level of pain that, uh, that incurs. Um, so it's a lot of young guys. Our, our first round pick this year, Tyler Smith, which is kind of a, uh, he's a projection guy. He has a lot of tools, but can the Cowboys turn those tools into results? That that's going to be an interesting. And now he has to play left left tackle. You know, he was going to be he was going to play at guard and kind of learn the NFL and and learn game speed and learn all that stuff. And then maybe once uh, Tyron retired elevate into that left tackle role, but now he's the left tackle. Um, you know, we lost Connor Williams, which, you know, I think a lot of people outside of Dallas see that as a bigger hit than people who've watched him play in Dallas uh, take that. But um, 
this, you know, we mentioned it earlier. They were the number one offensive line for a long time. And between retirements and injuries and salary cap, this is a shaky offensive line. And that may be a nice way of putting it. Um, Defense. I mean, let's face it. This defense was the highest scoring defense in the league last year. They were touchdowns. They were a top three or five uh, defense last year. Um, I don't think they're going to be at that level this year, but I don't think they'll be far off. Maybe instead of top three or top five or top ten. They do have a lot of talent on that side. Trayvon Diggs, we can laugh at the fact that an undrafted rookie, you know, uh, wide receiver toasts him in – you know, preseason <laughs> practice, but he, he is what he is. And what he is, is a boomer bust corner. He is either going to, uh, t- he's either going to get a pick or he's going to give up yards. And he had 11 interceptions last year and he gave up over a thousand yards. So you see the ying and the yang of, of Trayvon Diggs. Um, obviously we have, uh, the super soldier. We have Micah Parsons who can play anywhere and be elite at it. I mean, honestly, if we put him at corner, I think he would be better than Trayvon Diggs. That's how good and athletic the guy is. He can play on the line. He can play linebacker. Um, He's just an amazing player. Uh, Tank Lawrence kind of needs to play up to the contract this year. I mean, he's been good but he hasn't been you know last year was his best year as a cowboy he he hasn't been top three or top five defensive line money which i think is where he's at right now yeah so um we need the guys that played really well to kind of play maybe a half a step down because i think expecting them to play at that level two years in a row is a lot but we also need we also need the defensive line, the guys on the defensive line, minus Micah Parsons, if that's where he's playing, um, to step up. They got to step up about a level and a half from where they're at. So if this defense can be top 10, and we know the offense is going to throw because that's what they do. I mean, yeah. they, you know, they had a bunch of leads last year, and it didn't turn into – the Zeke Elliott, let's slow it down show. I mean, I think they were top seven in pass attempts in the NFL last year. So even being uh, 12 and five didn't stop them from still being a high passing volume offense. So um, they're going to be there. I mean, I think they're going to be top 10 in pass attempts uh, this year, but obviously the the hits on the offensive line and losing Amari Cooper, it'll be very interesting to see how uh, Dak Prescott responds to that. Yeah. For, for this team, you finished 12 and five Prescott threw almost 4,500 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, and that's missing. game. A lot of things went right for Dallas last year, scored the most points in the league. The, the defense took every opportunity it had and ran with it. Eight freaking defensive touchdowns is a lot of touchdowns. Like you said, Trayvon Diggs is an opportunist. 
either give it up or he'll change the game. Interceptions change the game for the better a lot of the time. They they they're freaking huge. But at the same time, he was the reason why we went to overtime with New England. You know, it, a lot of those games got stressful. There's there's two things, things, but we can't change the third thing. That's Mike McCarthy. Um, we can't really control Mike McCarthy. Mike, it, for me, Mike McCarthy put us in a lot of shitty situations last year. I feel like we got bailed out against the Chargers with the sack call and Zerline hitting like a 55-yarder or something like that. His time management is poor. It's as simple as that. And in a game where time is so precious, you just can't do that. He cannot put us in those situations again this year. We will we will fail tremendously. Um. Like I said, Tyron Smith tore his hamstring. He's going to be out for a long time. We're used to this. We've been down this road before. Tyler Smith terrifies me in terms of that he's a freakish athlete. But how many holding calls is he going to get a game? That's we, we're the most. I am at the point where I watch games, and every time I see a touchdown, I look to the corner. Is it yellow? No? Okay, I can actually cheer. Penalties cannot happen again like they did last year. They are basically the reason we lost to the San Francisco 49ers. Say whatever the hell you want about running it with 14 seconds left. Was it a bad decision? Duh. But eight different times a penalty either gave San Francisco a first down or took down a first down, took away a first down away from the Cowboys offense. Eight times in a playoff game cannot happen. And we lost by six points. Six. It cannot happen. I, I look I'm looking at the games. I don't know how we beat Minnesota with Cooper Rush that night. It, it That just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I expected Kirk Cousins to have a better game. A lot of things went right for Dallas last year. A lot went right for us to finish 12-5. and five. You know, we had a great game against Tampa opening week. I love that game. Chris Godwin pushed off. He can't. I'm just kidding. Um, it, was, it was a great game. I think we get billed out against um, Los Angeles. We beat Philly. We beat Carolina. We beat New York. We edge out. New England when it felt like we had that game handily. Yep. Get our asses kicked by the Broncos. Um, then we beat the crap out of Atlanta the next week to prove a point, I guess. Don't show up against Kansas City, where sort of makes sense because Kansas City then like flipped the switch that didn't had a great defense. All of a sudden it was really weird. Um, we gave away the Las Vegas game with penalties after penalty after penalty. Um and, you know, we beat the Saints, we beat the Washington football team, we beat the Giants, we beat the football team again. We lose to Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. Penalties, poor play yep. over and over. Kyler Murray, a great quarterback. Arizona's a great team. I can't fault that loss to lose to a great team. And we blow out Philadelphia's secondary team, week 18, completely irrelevant. So I feel like for me, we almost beat Dak Prescott of 2020 just without the breaking of the leg. Yeah. We need this dude to go off because he missed a lot of throws last year that would have put us in really good spots. I know we beat New Orleans, but I think about that fourth down where he threw it to the wrong shoulder of CD Lamb that would have given him a that would have given him a first down. Um, Zeke Elliott is healthy; he will be a great asset. He played hurt last year. Uh, say whatever you want about Zeke, but he's a horse. He's yes. a freaking horse, and he will do whatever it takes. Tony Pollard is a great receiving back. That is a great. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not asset, but he's he's great to be on the other side of Zeke. He's great to have to give Zeke a break. You know, it it's kind of what you need these days in football. You need a good 
dual headed monster in the backfield. But the penalties terrify me. The receiving core kind of terrifies me a little bit. I love CD lamb without James Washington, who would have been a solid number three, in my opinion. Um, I think he would have been good for us to have there too. You know, Dak has made a lot of guys look good. He made uh, Noah Brown look good, and I'm blanking on the other guy's name. But Randall Cobb. Randall, he made Randall Cobb look good. There's somebody else. I'll never think of his name. Um, oh, Cedric Wilson. Thank you, Cedric Wilson. Yeah. I played Cedric Wilson a couple weeks in fantasy because he was going off. Um, but, yeah, you're looking. Michael Gallup's going to be out for a couple weeks. Um, I don't know what to think about Dalton Schultz. He's a he's a great safety blanket, which is kind of Dallas's thing. And a great safety blanket tight end, not an elite tight end. So we'll see where kind of he goes this year for sure. Um, he just took the job away from Blake Jarwin. So good for him, I guess. But we're running out CD Lamb, Jim Tolbert, and Noah Brown week one against Tampa Bay. I don't know why we're playing Tampa Bay in week one again. Again. Um, I, I think that's I, I think it's kind of funny. I don't mind playing them again, but I think it's weird that it was week one again. Um, but the holding calls terrify me. A lot of things went right for the defense last year that I don't think can go right in. And I think that's why I can't pick them. Like on top of me being a little superstitious and believing that we just can't repeat because it's just a weird anomaly. The Eagles look so much better than us on paper because we, you know, we were here and they were here last year. You know, we were 12 and five. They were nine and eight. They kind of had a couple losses they gave away. And it kind of feels like they've done all this improvement and we've taken a step back. We haven't really done a whole lot to improve. I get why we traded Amari Cooper and we didn't, you know, he was never number one. We wanted him to be, we got nothing for him. I get it. Make fun of us, whatever. But it's going to be the penalties. It's going to be the defense. We, we can't fix Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy can only fix Mike McCarthy. If he's still has time management problems, then it's going to cost a couple games. I already I can feel it in me soul. But if we're going to continue to be the most penalized team in the league and we're not going to have as we're not going to jump on any opportunities as we did last year, we're going to be a 10 and 7 team. And I don't think that's going to be good enough. I think the Eagles can win 11 or 12 games. Yeah, it's, you know, we we talked about two things, um, penalties, and we talked about that, that, that call at the end of the game where Dak ran too far and, and time ran out in that playoff loss. All of that, though, goes back to coaching. I mean, mm-hmm. teams that are heavily penalized are heavily penalized because of coaching. I mean, we see the best coaches in the league. You see your Bill Belichick's. You see your Sean McVay's. You see guys that are not only in the playoffs every year, but double-digit win teams every year. And it's because they practice that stuff. They they beat into the heads of players. We don't jump off sides. We don't hold. We don't have defensive pass interference calls. You know, usually those very good teams are, you know, amongst the bottom of teams that are penalized. And Dallas, for whatever reason, this is not even new with Mike McCarthy, unfortunately. This was a Jason Garrett issue as well. And it just seems that coaches have been hired and they've kind of said, we're not going to worry about beating into the heads of our players. 
penalties are bad. You know, we just kind of go, yeah, we'll take them where we can get them. And you're right. Every time you see a good play, you're waiting for the flag as a Dallas Cowboys fan. You're just, you know, if it stands, you're almost shocked. You know, oh, Zeke Elliott just ran for 18 yards. Where's the penalty? Oh, we just we just sacked the quarterback. Where's the penalty? Where we all? Yeah, I mean, defensive pass interference was the reason why we lost to Vegas on Thanksgiving. Yes, so many bad just bad penalties, and those are the type of penalties holding, taking away first downs, PIs that give them a whole new set of downs and move them up twenty yards. These things, these things are painful, obviously, and they can't afford. They are. They were a good enough team last year to where a lot of the time it didn't matter. They fought through 127 penalties last year, and that's just accepted. That's right. just accepted penalties. I don't think our our wiggle room has gone down. That's mm-hmm. that's exactly where where we are as the Cowboys, and we you know America's team. We're you know on the pedestal always. Stephen A. Smith has a segment every single day about the Dallas Cowboys. People expect us to be good because, let's face it, the fan base that you and I are a part of can has an obnoxious stain on it yep. of that, you know, Whedon boys, we're going to win every single year. Every year's our year, and we've won three-plus games in the past 28 years. Yep. You know, it, it's this, and we're a good team. Don't get me wrong. I think we can be in the wild card. I think we can be a fifth or a sixth seed. Because I think we're better than a decent amount of the wild card teams. You know, you kind of have, you're looking at Arizona, um, who's in the South, the Saints, um, and the Vikings. There's not a whole lot of competition like there is in the AFC. So you get a little wiggle room there. If you can go 10 and 7 and probably get the six or seven seed, the Eagles got it at nine and eight. So. And I didn't mention the 49ers, the 49ers, the Rams, the Cardinals, the the Vikings and the Saints. And, you know, you're in there. Two of those teams will get kicked out. And I think you're good enough to win 10 games. I think we have a tough schedule because, you know, we won the division last year. And that's kind of just how the how the ball rolls for you. Um, I just don't. I hope they surprise me. Don't get me wrong. I, I would love to go 12 and five or 13 and four and win the division and break that curse, whatever the hell it is. But, uh, like, the straw broke the camel's back for me is losing Tyron Smith, yeah. a guy who didn't get penalized a shit ton and is a freakish athlete. Now we have to put somebody else there, and we're already concerned about other spots that isn't Zach Martin. Yeah. We need 2020 Dak. We need Dak to throw for 5,000 yards in the first three games. <laughs> like, that's, oh. that's kind of what I feel we need. And... I think, I think that's what we're going to see, and not necessarily maybe because the Cowboys coaching staff wants that, but because that's what uh, these games are going to dictate. I mean, let's face it, two games against the Eagles, I feel like those are going to those are going to either end up being shootouts or they're going to end up being blowouts, and I don't think we're going to be on the uh, the happy end of a blowout against the Eagles. Um, yeah. You know, Commanders and Giants as teams, they're terrible, but the NFC East, they always play each other tough. It doesn't matter if, you know, we play the Commanders week eight and they're one and seven or, you know, seven and one. It's going to be a tough game. 
Giants are the same thing. You know, we have the Packers in there. We, you know, like you said, week one against Tampa Bay. We have a lot of tough teams on the schedule. And, you know, if we are not uh, a team that can keep the penalties down, it it's going to be tough. And I, Mike McCarthy doesn't seem to care about that. He doesn't seem, you know, and it, it's funny how, you know, Sometimes we don't give great or even good head coaches their credit. I mean, could you imagine with some of the the talent, just on paper, that the Cowboys have had over the last 10 years, if a Bill Belichick was the head coach, if a Sean McVay was the head coach, if a Sean Payton. Sean Payton, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, even, when that rumor came up, I was like, deal. Yeah, like, let's do it. And we had him back in the day as a quarterback's coach. And the reason why he didn't become the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys is actually because he said to Jerry, he said, I want full control of the team, and I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And obviously, Jerry is not built like that. And the Saints said, yeah, we'll, we'll let you do whatever you want here. Let's go. Yeah. And they ended up being a, a perennial playoff team, won a Super Bowl, you know. Um, I mean, and that's and that's an episode for another day of Jimmy well, of Johnson, course. Sean Payton, and yeah. the Jerry Jones. Like, what has he done to the franchise? Has he's, he's always kept them competitive, yes, but when you are always competitive, even the eight and eight seasons that we had are jokes. Yeah, it's what they are. It's what it's what the team is. So I guess I guess we'll wrap up with this. Parsons is a is a freaking nature, and I think he's he is part of making those opportunities for the Dallas defense, pressure, interceptions, anything like that, forced fumbles. But I cannot confidently look at my team on paper and say we're going to win the division here. I if they were to. Wouldn't surprise me. I think it's a two-team race between Philly and Dallas. And I don't think it's particularly close. I easily could see a 12 and 5 and an 11 and 16. And those two flip-flopping easily. But if I would bet right now, I would bet on the team that's improved the most this season. Yeah. Uh I think on paper the Eagles are the better team. I don't I don't think that's a really big question. I mean, obviously we mm-hmm. have advantages in spots. But I always worry about the team that brings in a bunch of new players at a bunch of kind of higher profile uh, positions. You know, we spoke about A.J. Brown. We, we spoke about Hassan Reddick. And when you, when you bring in a bunch of new things, sometimes it takes a while for it to click. Now, Dallas has lost a lot of good things, but for the mo- <laughs> For the for the most part, their core is intact. It's guys that have been there they're, that have been. So it's chemistry, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think the best thing to happen to us this offseason, as crazy as it sounds, besides obviously, you know, none of the big names getting injured, is keeping Dan Quinn at defensive coordinator. He really put this um, run fast, hit hard, get takeaways, defense, and kind of turned the Cowboys from a team that couldn't cover anybody to a team that could be 
a very good defensive team. And I know he had some some head coaching calls and, and none of them worked out for him. So he's back as, as defensive. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Dan Quinn for making us have a good defense for the first time in a long time. Yeah. It's been we've had we've had a bad secondary for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, and, and let's face it, going into 2021, I don't think anybody was saying no. they were like Dak is kind of like what we've been saying here. Dak has got to throw for 500 yards a game in order for the Cowboys to win. And last year it was like, yeah, Dak Prescott can throw for 500 yards in a game, but this we can win just with this defense. And that's a crazy turnaround in a year because I think 2020 we were like the third worst defense in NFL history. Like it was, it wasn't just like uh, we were a bad team. We were historically bad at defense, and and Dan Quinn turned that around with really a hustle type of mentality. You know, obviously scheme has a lot to do with that, but it was more. You run from whistle to whistle. You try to get the ball. You try to rip it out. You try to intercept it. You try to get the ball back to our offense. And that was kind of the theme of the defense. And he got guys to buy in. Like, it wasn't just kind of rah-rah and nothing happened. He was working after practice with Micah Parsons in the beginning of the year doing defensive line drills. You know, he, he was kind of looking at guys and seeing what their potential is and helping them work to get there. And that was so clutch for the Cowboys. So I'm hoping another year of that kind of just gets, I don't think the defense will be as good as they were last year because they were pretty dang good last year. But I I think another year of that kind of, that style of coaching will just kind of, you know, raise raise everyone up a little bit. And hopefully, you know, maybe we get some uh, some guys out of the blue that, that really step their game up and hopefully that defensive line can step its game up as well. Yeah. It's the back. We haven't been able to do it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin sent me his picks. He also has the Eagles finishing first Dallas second. He has the commanders finishing last and the giants third. I'm going to have those flipped. I still think the giants will be the worst in the division, um, especially if Daniel Jones gets hurt again. And with running quarterbacks, always a possibility. Um, but I think that'll just about do it for us. Um, I really want to thank you for filling in on such short notice of this morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know you have your own podcast. You do a lot of stuff. So tell people where they can find all your stuff. Yeah. So uh, I'm on Twitter at uh, real fantasy TL. You see it in, in my little box here. Uh, I have a podcast every Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern fantasy timeline uh we literally just go on twitter uh we find questions where people ask us questions and we answer them we we kind of go through you know who's hot who's not we hit the news that's fantasy relevant and we just try to help people you know make their teams better and and win more games so uh like i said that's uh wednesday at 9 p.m eastern if you want uh, follow my co-host Drew at dr underscore pra. He's actually the brains of the operation. I'm just <laughs> uh, I'm just there for the uh, the quick wit and the wild remarks. <laughs> so of course, right there for the show. Um, if you guys ever need fancy help, um, I just draft. 
I have a good time drafting. Sometimes I get steals, but I definitely don't offer the best advice. So if you guys ever look in for, there's plenty of fantasy analysts all around us, but check them out um, for sure. Watch, like you said, every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. Obviously it archives up. So check them out before every week. Get those start certain sick questions in everyone loves a little help every now and then and then either praising you or blaming you depending on what they chose <laughs> yeah i love it I <laughs> that love is it. the life i love it all right so thank you everyone for watching um next week devon shall return and we will finish off the week as we are 10 days away from a i almost said fantasy football season i'm not wrong but i'm not right <laughs> the nfl season starting uh, 10 more days till the Rams kick off with the Buffalo Bills. Um, so we'll come at you with the AFC East next week. It'll be our last one. We'll um, do a quick uh, predictions for week one. Um, so we will try not to take the show too long, um, but get all those picks in and stuff. Um, Josh, do you got anything else that you want to add before we take off? No, man. Uh, appreciate you having me on. Uh, love what you guys do. And uh, 10 more days, man. I can't wait. I cannot wait. <laughs> Let's go. I have officially finished all my drafting, so I am good to go. Nice. All done. Finally. I love <laughs> drafting, but at the same time, I'm just like, I just want to get it all done once I start it. <laughs> That's right. So, Devin's not here to give you the P word, so it's going to sound super weird coming from me, but... As always, thank you, Josh. Um, Shout out to Devin. Hope you're having a great honeymoon. We will see you all next week for the AFC East. We'll see you along Twitter as we get those questions going along. Can't wait for people to pick between Dak Prescott or Jalen Hurts. It's going to be an interesting one. Pick Dak. All right. Pick Dak. Pick Dak. That's right. All right, everybody. Peace.